Ready Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. It's talking real money quick. I'm Don McDonald. Welcome to another edition of the podcast. This week, we don't have the long-form show because the long-form radio show that becomes the podcast was interrupted by a football game. We were preempted. And we're going to be preempted again this coming Saturday by a Husky football game. So next week, you'll get a just one, I think, version of Talking Real Money Quick. This week, I'm getting, giving you two, a bonus edition. But next week, I think it'll only be one because I'm flying out to Seattle to teach a brand new class of the, what day am I teaching that? The 15th of September in Renton, Washington. So I'll be out in Seattle making it a little bit difficult. I won't be in my studio. So once again, Talking Real Money Quick is a conglomeration of calls that come into our 24-hour Ask Any Question About Money line at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 mixed with some of the feature pieces that I create for Como News Radio that air during the week. So this week, got a couple of, again, the calls have been just wonderful on the uh, hotline, whatever we want to call it. I've got to come up with a cuter name. If you got a cuter name, let me know. The what line, the money line? No, it sounds kind of trite. We'll think of something. And got a couple of great callers and some good features and some great information to help make you a better manager of money and a much better investor. And let's go on to the very first call of this episode. Hello, Don. This is David in Raleigh, North Carolina. I have a question about the suitability of investing versus trading related to ETFs and mutual funds. Wildman Kramer said that he did not recommend investing in ETFs because they have to rebalance so frequently. So if you're investing in an IRA or mutual funds or index funds, the more appropriate tool to use, and I would be anxious to hear your reply to that because ETFs have virtually no cost an index, and a lot of mutual funds, especially from Vanguard, are virtually free compared to a lot of actively managed mutual funds. So if you could reply to that, I would appreciate it. Hey, David, thanks for the call. Let's start with the beginning. First, you mentioned investing versus trading. Trading should be banished from your vocabulary. The word trading shouldn't exist in an investor's vocabulary. Trading is, without a doubt, always gambling. It is not investing. They are not synonymous. Now, on to the question of ETFs versus mutual funds. I don't watch Jim Cramer. I find he's bad for my mental health. But my guess is that he's talking about the problem of reconstituting ETFs, that there's a lot of trading going on. There are some problems with exchange-traded funds, and some of them are very difficult to quantify. It is a relatively new product that has been relatively untested by market forces that are unanticipated. They were illustrated, though, several years ago in what was called the flash crash, where the market makers behind these exchange-traded funds stepped back. They wouldn't provide the liquidity that they were pledged to provide. Uh, That does 
offer some reason for concern, not as much with index-based products. I wouldn't touch an actively managed ETF with a 100-foot uh, pole, but I wouldn't touch an actively managed mutual fund either. So ETFs versus mutual funds, I'm going to err on the side of caution and say I'd prefer to use indexed, passive-style mutual funds from the likes of Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, Dimensional Funds. They are low cost. Their costs are not always as low as ETFs, although with the new Fidelity funds with zero costs, you can't go much lower than those. Still withholding judgment on those, as I mentioned in the last podcast. But I think that it's not that big a difference in price, in cost. I'd err on the side of caution and go with the mutual funds again. I need to reiterate, you mentioned actively managed funds at the end. No actively managed funds in a portfolio, period. Buying an actively managed mutual fund implies that you believe there is someone out there with an ability to predict the unpredictable, and that is the future. It isn't going to happen. There is no evidence that it ever has. As a matter of fact, all of the evidence points to any outperformance of any active managers being attributable primarily to a simple little thing called luck. If you're sick of your self-interested financial advisor and are looking for a 100% fiduciary low-fee investment advisor, call my firm Vestry at 800-386-3004 or visit us at vestry.com. I often take financial prognosticators to task, but one stands out as being both spectacularly bold and incredibly bad at predicting. Yet he's a regular on TV and people buy his books in droves. Bob Wiedemer is the author of books like the bestseller Aftershock, and in 2012, he predicted that the stock market would drop by 90% as soon as 2013. Instead, the S&P went up by about 23%. In 2013, he predicted a 90% crash. In 2014, the S&P 500 returned about 14%. In 2015, he predicted a decline of 90%. Well, in 2016, the S&P 500 made just 12%. Now, in 2018, guess what Mr. Wiedemer is expecting next year? Did I hear someone say a 90% market drop? Wow, you're good. He also predicts, get this, 50% unemployment and 100% inflation. His outrageous guesses are beyond incredibly unlikely, yet tens of thousands of people seem to take him seriously. So what's wrong with us? Yes, high returns are great, but they come at a price. High risk. Sure, it's possible to make 30% per year on private equity funds, but that kind of possible return comes at the price of high risk, something a number of supposedly sophisticated money, pension, and charitable trust managers seem to have forgotten when they placed billions into the 2013 Enervest Fund that raised and borrowed money to buy oil and gas wells at the pinnacle of the market. The combination of falling energy prices and massive debt have left the $2 billion fund practically worth worthless as lenders are foreclosing on the portfolio's assets. While this is a private equity fund, it was purchased by managers of a Florida pension, a Teamsters pension, and a variety of charities, so the big losers end up being regular folks like us. There is no magical high-yielding investment with a low level of risk, no matter what someone might claim. While a lot of smart money managers turned out to be pretty stupid, you can learn from their mistakes by understanding that there is no wealth without risk. Subscribe to free monthly email updates from the only magazine devoted to real investing, Real Investing Journal, at realinvestingjournal.com.
Selecting a financial advisor is a decision right up there with choosing a career path because it can mean the difference between just getting by or enjoying a comfortable future. Yet the way most of us pick an advisor is haphazard at best. A member of the family who's just been hired by an insurance company suggests universal life. A stockbroker in your social circle pitches you a hot investment. You take someone up on a free dinner who pressures you into buying a product that claims to guarantee the upside of the market with no risk. An outright lie. Very few make a well-planned, thoroughly researched quest for the best financial or investment advisors available. Yet we all should because of the 1.1 million financial advisors in the country, only 1% are always required to act in your best interest. And even among those, there are some bad eggs. So what should you do? Always ask, are you a fiduciary required to act in my best interest at all times? What is your investment philosophy and how do you select investments? How much do you charge? And then get it all in writing. Also, make sure they're telling the truth by going to advisorinfo.sec gov and read their form ADV part two brochure. I know that dealing with money and investing particularly is massively confusing at times. It's massively confusing primarily because the folks in the industry want it to be confusing. It makes them more valuable. I don't think it deserves to be as confusing, but I know you're baffled. And that's why we created our 24-hour money line, for lack of a better word, call-in line, hot line, warm line, cold line, I don't care, for you to call in questions 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even when we're not on the air. You just you don't get a call from anybody. You don't get a, an advisor. You just leave your question on the voicemail. They get emailed to me. I put them in the podcast and put new ones on every week. So far, I think I've answered everybody's question. If for some reason I missed yours, call it in again, but I don't think I have. So call in your questions. Here's the number 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Hi, my name is John. I was just wondering if you might comment a little bit more in your podcast, perhaps, uh, or the radio show, regarding overuse of the word fiduciary with respect to advice from a fee-only advisor. I can see the logic of having transparent fees and knowing what you're paying an advisor. However, there are lots of assets under management advisors that hold themselves out to be fiduciary, but the elephant in the room is that they're not completely without conflict with respect to the advice they might offer. I've encountered some so-called fiduciary AUM advisors who seem to be primarily interested in acquiring assets with the promise that they will be available at any time if I need advice. I think that these advisors are only fiduciary with the investment advice once you give them money. I think it would be good for people to know that even AUM and fee-only advisors can have conflicts of interest that may possibly bias their advice, and maybe you can talk about this a bit. The fiduciary pledge on your advisor interview form is a very good first step, and I would be much more confident in someone that signed that as opposed to someone that just advertises that they are a fee-only fiduciary. Thanks for all the educational content on the website and podcast. This is such an interesting question. I really like it because, John, you're right. No one can be without bias. It is just not possible to be 100% conflict-free. The key is 
for the client or the prospective client to totally know what that potential conflict might be. And for example, let's talk about the conflicts of of brokers, for example. Their conflict is the fact that if they do not make a sale, they do not get paid, period. So they got to make sales, whatever it takes. Fee-only advisors. Now, by the way, fee-based advisors fall into that broker category because if they're charging a fee and getting a commission, then it gets really muddy. But let's talk about fee-only AUM-based advisors, assets under management. Those are advisors who, like our firm, charge a percentage of assets under management to be your ongoing guide. And I got to tell you, if an advisor just sets up your portfolio and then leaves it alone forever and doesn't provide the ongoing rebalancing, counseling, comforting, just, you know, the psychological work, they're doing a lousy job for their money. I mean, there's, there is a lot to this. Then you have a third model that some, particularly those who use this model, claim is truly conflict-free, and that's the hourly model. None of these are conflict-free. Do you actually believe that lawyers always charge a totally fair fee for everything they do, or do they occasionally pad their hours? Do you believe that a doctor always provides advice that is always in your best interest? They never, ever, ever recommend a drug or a treatment for which they might receive some other compensation. It is very difficult to find someone who is not conflicted. It's really interesting that you ask this question, too, because I had done some research. There are uh, hourly advisors out there who slam the AUM-based model. And I did a little research, and and one of them, a very famous one, charges $450 an hour. And his own writings state that he takes about 15 to 20 hours to do a plan, and then he, in essence, fires the client. You're gone. You're on your own. That can be fine for some people, but bear in mind, that's about 8000 bucks. It's not cheap. You can find fee-only advisors who are comparably priced but will be there for you every year. It may not be the right model for you, or it very well might be if you need hand-holding throughout your investing life. So there's something for everybody out there. Yeah, there are some fee-only advisors who are conflicted and terribly conflicted. And there are many who charge way too blasted much. Anybody who is charging over 1% per year, period, is charging too much, in my opinion. It should be 1% or less for the first half a million or million, and then it should be declining after that because it's not that much harder to manage 2 million than it is to manage 1 or 3 or whatever. So it should decline after that point. So anyway, check them out. Make sure they'll be a fiduciary. Oh, and I also have a great question that you can ask your advisor to find out if all they care about is gathering assets. Here's the question. Tell them you have a mortgage and ask them if you should pay that mortgage off. If you don't have one, make up one. You know, or say if I had a mortgage and I was paying 4% per year interest on that mortgage, would I be better off paying that off or just letting it go? Now, financially, you would be better off leaving that mortgage because your odds of success are very good. But but 
The correct answer is it depends. One, it depends on how much risk you're willing to take with your money. If the answer is zero risk, paying off the mortgage will make a lot of financial sense. If you're willing to take some risk, then it may not make financial sense. But the other question that should then be asked is, will it make a difference in the way you feel? Will you feel more secure? For many, it is not a financial decision. It is a comfort, security, and lifestyle issue. And a good advisor would ask that question before giving you advice. A bad advisor is going to say, oh, absolutely not. Do not pay off the mortgage. Keep the money with me. That's a bad advisor. Ask the question. And thanks for the great question. There is no perfect model. There are just variations on the theme. And as you said, you want to find somebody that you feel you can trust and who is willing to put in writing that they will act in your best interests. Thanks for being a part of this episode of Talking Real Money Quick. I'm Don McDonald. I appreciate you being there. Next week, we'll have another issue, addition, whatever we want to call it. You can call and ask questions to use in that at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And finally, my end-of-show request, share the podcast with friends. Subscribe. There's a button. And please, if you like what you hear, you have no idea how helpful it is to get a positive review because it builds the audience. We actually get ranked higher in their algorithms. So if you could, please, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?